Hey folks, uh, we are back with a very special episode of Lesbians Are Miracles. I'm Jill. And I am Leah. And um, we have something a little bit different than normal today in that we have a very special guest. And uh, the reason we have a very special guest is because um, we want to delve into a topic that neither Leah nor I are really qualified to speak to. So uh, Leah, why don't you you, uh, lead us further into this? So the name of this episode is Hometown Homo, and tonight we're going to be talking about the unique experience of being queer in the South. Um, And Jill and I have been kicking around this episode for a long time. And decided it was finally time to do it. And um, that, in large part, was because now we have a subject matter expert. Uh, So our special guest tonight is my girlfriend, Lori. Hello. Hi. I'm Lori. And I'm Leah's girlfriend and Jill's very good friend. Yeah. It's okay. (laughs) I I feel so honored to be on your show. Thank Thank you so much. Well, we're really happy to have you here. And... um, it might be a little strange the first time uh, mm-hmm. in front of the the mic in front of the lesbians are mir- inside the lesbians are miracles boardroom, boardroom, which is a traveling boardroom where uh, it all goes down. <laughs> wherever as we, we are, always say, the boardroom the boardroom is. is. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, why don't we talk about like, you know, like I'm I'm really glad that you are open to being open with us today and uh, tonight <laughs> this moment <laughs> sure and um like when when we when Leah brought up the idea to you mm-hmm. uh what was your first thought well when she brought up the idea of a small town queer episode i immediately felt like i might be a good person to talk to about that because uh I grew up in the south I grew up in Texas and I think Lori and I had been talking about it a lot sort of during the course of our relationship because the first time I had gone to Texas I think I went to Texas once before and it was like first south by for work and I was there for three days and like it wasn't an authentic experience <laughs> by any in, fucking stretch of the imagination. Three days in Austin, Texas for south by southwest it was isn't like, the authentic southern the, growing up gay yeah, experience. Totally. I'm shocked. I'm and, so shocked. And it was the tech portion of south by southwest. So like probably, well, you know. It was not representative of Southern culture, I don't think. I can't even believe that. <laughs> so anyway, when I went home with Lori for the first time, um, you know, having grown up in the Northeast my whole life and only experienced that and never really been exposed to Southern culture, like, except on television and in movies, I was, it was a big culture shock. And it was a big culture shock for many reasons, um, but that's only to say that I think it's such a distinct experience growing up in the South regardless, um, just as it is anywhere, but it is an especially distinct experience as a queer person. And then we were recently watching that documentary, The L Word, Hate the Sin, on Showtime about queer women in the what South. What a title. What a title. What a it's title. an <laughs> awful title. But Why it's a, that title? <laughs> fucking Eileen Shaken strikes again in like both the bad and good ways, but... Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it's a really fabulous documentary and everyone should watch it. But, you know, I in particular was just like so struck by the way that these women's experience had differed from mine. And I think like a lot of that as it was presented in the documentary was like religious based. Yeah. So like where you grew up in Texas, where in Texas? I grew up in Longview, Texas, 
which is northeast Texas. Okay. In what they call the Bible Belt. And uh, I am the fourth or fifth generation there. And my grandparents started the largest Southern Baptist church there. Wow. Yes. That's yeah. quite a legacy. Yes. Uh, I was just <laughs> going to say that same exact thing. Yes. Uh, yeah. So um, I definitely grew up in a religious background, uh, Southern Baptist, and I, my grandfather was the deacon of the church. My grandmother's grandmother um, was very religious, and my mom's side of the family was also very religious. Um, and so I was conditioned at a very early age. So were you guys like going to church every single weekend and like Sunday school? Oh yeah, like, oh, oh yeah. Was it, like the center Sunday of life, school. Pretty much? My my sister and I dressed alike every Sunday. Um, everybody knew the Lion Girls. We were. That's your last name, I'm guessing. Yes. You're not, she's not half lion. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, except yes. like kind of. She she is a Homo sapien and a homosexual. <laughs> but my family was very well known in this small town, and we were expected to be perfect and ladylike and um we were supposed to follow jesus and his um his beliefs and so yeah do you remember like the first time you were aware of like the word gay or homosexual or just like gayness and or homosexuality or queerness in general like do you remember like just becoming aware of that like I have a very vague memory of like learning the word homosexual like mm -hmm. I still remember I was maybe four so do you have a, any recollection of like when like that kind of first mm -hmm. dawned on you even if it was just a vague noticing or like was it in a well, religious context yeah well, yeah so I was gonna say uh every Sunday we would sit in the second row pew and our pastor sometimes at least once or twice a month would preach on what family should look like. And I remember being five or six and having him preach that a family looked like a man and a woman who had kids. And I remember him preaching about homosexuality being a sin and that if you were homosexual, you would go to hell. And it wasn't only in the church. It was at my home as well. Um, I knew what homosexuality was when I was was at least five. My, okay. So, my mom's brother was gay. Okay, so when you heard, like when you were hearing homosexuality is wrong, you knew that they were talking about, like you knew the same meaning sex. of that. Okay. Same sex. All right. Same sex. Like a girl and a girl or a boy and a boy. Okay. Um, but my mom's brother was gay. He... I lived in San Antonio, which was five hours away, so I didn't get a lot of exposure to him. But Was it like the big city? It was the big it city. It was his but, way of kind of escaping. And he, he was. was into fashion, and I just remember being Cute. so intrigued by him. And I... I yeah, I, what was y'all's relationship like? Was there any type of like relationship? There was a relationship. Uh, he made me laugh a lot, and he sometimes would bring... Well, he brought his boyfriend home once, and my mom would explain that that was his special friend. Mm -hmm. And I just remember my mom saying, don't ever be like that. Don't ever be like that because he's not happy. 
Well, he was a drug addict, and it was hard, you know, even growing up to say that, I guess I thought that being gay looked like that. That was the gay lifestyle, was mm. drugs and alcohol and depression. That was what the gay lifestyle looked like because she also had a cousin. He was gay, but he wasn't into drugs or alcohol. And I remember questioning so her. <laughs> I, re- I, I remember questioning her. And I remember when I was in second grade, we got a wedding invitation from Dallas. And it was my cousin, Stephen. He was getting married. And I saw the name. His name was Jason. I said, Mom, Stephen and Jason? Two two boys are getting married? I just remember being so excited, and my mom was like, we're not going. You know, we're not going. Um, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. But in and your heart, like, you didn't want to In my heart, I was devastated. Yeah. I wanted to go experience this wedding. This, how old were you? I was in second, second or third oh, grade. So, like, did you ever, like, really drink that Kool-Aid then? I never did, and neither did my sister, because my sister is also gay. What's your age difference? Three years. Okay, is she older yeah. or younger? She's three years younger than me. Okay. But she she and I both grew up very gay. I mean, I remember having... <laughs> gay, 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 gay. <laughs> I remember her and I talking about having crushes on girls in elementary school. Like so, openly and without shame? With just my sister and I. We shared, oh, okay. we shared a room. That's so cute. Yeah, did y'all like, ever I love come that. out to each other? Or were you just we talking about female we, crushes? We well, I don't even know if coming out is... I think, like, maybe as a kid, it it's, was if you more, just talk about what's natural. It was just like more like... Confidant. Yeah, that's why that's so interesting to me. Right? Because it's like, you know, my, both my sisters are straight and super open and awesome and supportive allies, but I had to come out to them. And totally, so, like, me too. I can't ima- like, I can't imagine the interaction but- with a queer sibling <laughs> where, like, you're just, like, talking about, like, yeah, you know, like, the like the sun is up and the sky is blue and, like, that chick's hot. And like, blah, blah, you know, just, like, little Susie yeah, looks banging it. on yeah, the playground yeah. today. Like, that's so interesting. <laughs> little Susie? <laughs> but, I don't no. know. Was that what it was she, like? Were you, guys, were you guys just, like, naturally comfortable talking about? We became naturally comfortable talking about liking girls in middle school I she had a girlfriend she got a girlfriend in I think her freshman year of high school and I my first girlfriend was around there was when I was 16 and I would talk to her because I had really no one else to talk to about it and but you know what she would do she would to soften my mother's suspicion against her she would tattletale on me whoa and i would listen snitch bitch and i would (laughs) i would tattletale on her and we just i think it was our fear coming out like trying to help each other get through this because our mom you know our mom uh clearly said well to change gears here but she she said that we would go to hell if we were to be gay or if we were to love another woman. Did you ever believe that? No, and neither did my sister. Uh, we we didn't believe that at all. And uh, I mean, we were sh- for sure, you know, consumed by the guilt and the shame, but by her and her assumptions that we would go to hell and we didn't want to disappoint our mom, so we kept it to ourselves. Yeah. Um, and we hid it. We hid it from her for, well, until she died. 
in 2007. We never fully came out to her. Yeah. It was she um, just, like, assumed and kind of thought y'all were gay. She didn't want us to be gay because of her brother. I truly believe it stems from he died from a cocaine overdose uh, when I was in second grade. And she thought that we would end up that way. She just associated, like, addiction and unhappiness with being gay. Right. It's so wild because it's just That's, like, such a vicious but, circle. And it's such a backward circle because right. it's like, well, yeah, I mean, if someone's going to be totally ostracized and cut off from their family exactly. and community because of who they love, like... Of course yes. they're going to try to cope. But, <laughs> but she loved him. She yeah. accepted yeah. him. And yeah. she was... And she loved your cousin, too, right? She, oh, they, they were, were best so friends. They were so close. They used to, like, go steal trees together and stuff. I don't... Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we well, cut she's, it. she's gone now, so <laughs> she won't be arrested. She did... They used to go and take people's trees out of their yards and plant them in their, our yard at home and uh, steal mailboxes and such uh, for birdhouses. And, they had a grand old time. Yeah. They a did. good old gay time. They did have a good time. I mean, clearly your mother's love for her her, her, her brother and what, her cousin or your cousin? I can't. Her cousin. Her cousin. I mean, that, that I, it seems pretty, you know, clear and abiding and it must have been difficult for her having such a strong faith and beliefs and kind of having that friction between one's religious beliefs and community and this family legacy and then having that the friction between that and like the kind of like real honest natural love for family did mm-hmm. you like did is i mean does that is am i making that up is that is that something that you you she, felt from her i did i i felt an honest love and connection with her i could tell her anything but i couldn't tell her that i was gay or i thought i could be gay i didn't tell her when i was in love when i was 16 uh and you know, Longview, Texas at the time, and it still is, is a pretty racist part of the country. And my first girlfriend was a black girl and she dug through my room and found letters from my girlfriend at the time and decided to bring me to the table with my father and read the letters out loud, very explicit letters out loud in front of my father. And, you know, it had a little, like, you know, sexual... I was 16. And to shame me and to guilt me and to scare me into not being with her. And the consequences were that I was grounded, my car was taken away, I was shamed, I was guilted, I didn't have any... couldn't have any interaction with her... Um, my social events were taken away um, anytime she caught me talking to her, to the girl. And uh, she would follow me around town sometimes. I would catch her, like, pretty much stalking me. Um, and not only her, my aunt as well, um, who was pretty um, homophobic as well. So um, I think that's kind of what everybody is afraid of will happen 
if they come out or if their parents somehow find out they're gay. I wonder how much of that, and I think a lot of that has to do with the South, but I'm also like wondering how much of that is a universal experience and could happen anywhere. And I only say that to make a broader point of like, I can't imagine what my life would have been like had I had a girlfriend at 16. I It probably wouldn't have been like that. But I also can't imagine based on my experience, like having this sort of, I don't want to say maturity, I don't know what word you would use, but like ability to have a girlfriend at the age of 16. Like for me, for whatever reason, I was so like actively repressed about the facts that I was gay. And it's interesting that, you know, you and your sister, despite where you lived, and maybe in part because of each other, but like had girlfriends at all. Because that's so different from, like, my experience. Yeah, this is actually yeah. striking me, too. And I, so I want to rewind a little bit, Lori. <laughs> okay. No, I, and not, I, this, this yeah. is really great. And also, like, okay. we're talking about some really heavy shit that you've experienced. So I want to thank you for that. You yeah. know, I, I, this is, you know, it's not just. It's really different than life in New York City. It's, it's, hard, <laughs> to go, it's hard to go back to it. Yeah, I, I, I bet it is. And, and, you know, if you do want to. You know, we, we can pause. It, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, but I just, I, I, I you know, this is, it, this is stuff that can be raw no matter how long it goes through, uh, how much time goes by. Um, so thank you, first of all. Um, just uh, on that, on that, what I was saying before about rewinding. So what Leah was talking about is, you know, this turmoil she went through about like kind of coming out you know, like like realizing who she is and getting a girlfriend. And I, I went through similar turmoil even coming out to myself, which totally. I didn't do till I was like 20. And we almost had like, Leah and I, compared to you, almost had like opposite experiences where the, the, the social and fam fam familial consequences really weren't there other than like the ones we imagined in our heads. Yeah. So it's, but it sounds like you were able to identify at a really early age well, that you were gay. So would you mind like talking yeah, about how you, I how you realized you were gay? Yeah, and, like, I'd love to. Yeah. I, well, um, I think it started when I was six and I met my best friend at the time in dance class. And Can you share her first name? You don't have her, to. You don't have to. You make okay. up a name that like starts right. with like the same. Okay. Oh yeah, no, we do lots fine. of aliases. It's fine. Her just, okay, just call her something. Her it's name fun. is her name is Heather. Okay. Oh, and of course her name perfect. is Heather. Oh my, that fits so well with our like eighties, nineties like alias <laughs> yes. vibe. Totally. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what God. were we calling people before? Like your ex. There's girlfriend. Kelly and Topanga. Kelly and, and Topanga. Now we have Heather. And now we have Heather. Perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Carry on. So I so I met Heather. And when I was six and we were in dance class and I remember being instantly connected with her and we spent at least three nights a week together. Um, we During dance class. No. <laughs> not like dates. No. Uh, <laughs> not when I was six. But, uh, but oh, yeah. I, I, remember, I remember spending a lot of time with her, especially in the summer, and we would cuddle. And we would take baths together all up until middle school. We would take baths together. We spent all this time together. And I just remember feeling the butterflies. We had 
practice kissing on each other for the boys really? in the neighborhood. Damn, she's advanced and she's precocious, but girl. I, but I just remember feeling dicocious? not dicocious. I just remember feeling dicocious. <laughs> I just remember feeling like it was right and nothing else. Nothing. It just made sense to me, and I couldn't imagine feeling or doing anything else it was just who I was did you ever crush on boys yeah I did I think I think that I I realized my fluidity at a very young age and I I just felt my intuition was really strong and I I trusted my intuition when I was very very young so did you connect that with Gay or I, I didn't identity. really know. I just I just knew what my soul and what my heart was drawn to, and my body. <laughs> and I Important. I just I just I I trusted myself at a young age, and I think my sister did too. Um, especially Damn. even in a family that was so resistant to this lifestyle, um, but we both trusted ourselves. And I remember in high school, I did date one boy. Um, but my dad I'm and brother sorry. thinks he's yeah. my dad and brother he actually did better than me. <laughs> my 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 family actually thought he was gay. So I guess oh, it doesn't cool. really I, count. The only boys I ever dated are gay. Yeah, so. I dated a couple of gay ones too. I I uh, I dated one girl, and I had many crushes in high school. But it was a feeling of it was hard. It made me feel alone though because I it was not reciprocated. I would have these yeah. crushes and yeah. it was not reciprocated. We all get that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was but I I felt like my intuition was really strong and sounds like it. But I was guilted and I was shamed and I think that really held me back from my truth for a long time until recently. Really? Um well, until I moved to New York, I have not been able to be a free, open, gay woman until two years ago or so. So you weren't um, able to be that even in Austin. Well, not even in Austin. How long were you in Austin? Like, what's what's your timeline as far as, like, moving and, like, you know, and gay... I'm, gay, I'm, usually, gay I'm usually better I'm usually better at narrative. Um, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, I mean, but, I, I, I'm a history major, so I'm all about timelines. But oh, yeah. You, we don't need this to be chronological. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. We're jumping back and forth, and if there's a whole... Uh, cool. I almost went to, like, a, a, like a place where anyone could have made it I was gonna say if I have a hole I need to be filled in and I was like that's <laughs> that's rude Jill <laughs> we'll just keep sorry I, I didn't mean it sorry no, I, wait, I stopped, I mean, I stopped myself before I said it and then I was like I have to I mean if it. you can't make vagina puns on this podcast where in life can you make vagina that's puns that's true that's true <laughs> how dare you I love y'all okay uh so I was in high school then I moved I moved out of my house when I was 18 and decided that I wanted to be in drill team. And it was, they were called the world famous Rangerettes. I'm sure some of you have heard of them. Um, I might be murdered after talking about this, but. We can cut it uh, if you no, listen to it and. It's okay. And uh, if not, that's great yeah. too. So I, I became a world famous Rangerette at Kilgore College, and they their slogan was the all-American girl. Huh. We could not cut her hair. We couldn't walk on the grass. We had wow. to be we had to be ladylike. We performed for the president. I performed in New York City you for. Couldn't walk on the grass. We weren't allowed to walk Which on the president? grass. 
George, George W. Bush. Okay. And we were expected, perfect. and sh- the directors used the words perfect. So we had really? to be perfect. And if we were caught Sounds doing like a- something like kissing a girl or even thinking about being gay, I would be kicked off the team in a heartbeat. And my grandmother was a rangerette. My aunt, great aunt was a rangerette. My mom was in the drill team. Um, I was the first third generation to be a rangerette. And I could not fuck this up. I There was no way. I had to stay deep, deep, deep into the closet because I would have... That was my dream. That was my life dream. And I worked so hard to get there. And it could have been taken away from me in a heartbeat for being gay. So that was the first time I really felt like I had to closet myself other than from my mother Were there and any my grandmother. Calls? Well, I fell in love with a freshman rangerette and we hid our relationship for a good like almost a whole year, but we never kissed and we never did anything until after I graduated. Until after I was a rangerette, did we decide? <laughs> I just love how many times the word rangerette has been used. It's I'm like, like we're going to be like, bleep, bleep, bleep. And I like if we just well, ran it and bleeped rangerette. <laughs> of like, I'll, I'll take drink a every shot time every time we rangerette. say and or bleep out sure. rangerette. <laughs> Thanks, rangerettes. Yeah. This episode brought to you by the rangerettes. rangerettes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue, please. Tell me about falling in love with the rangerette. So we would pass letters to each other underneath our door very secretly. Oh. And, you know, I I think it, well, like I said, until I went to Texas State University, uh, right when I graduated, I was done with rangerettes. Did, it was maybe a week. It was, yeah. (laughs) Bye, (laughs) rangerette. It was maybe a week after I graduated college and moved. Can we post your photo of you in your rangerette outfit to promote this episode? Sure. Southern Belle. Um, We would say, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Quite a bit. That's funny. I said, yes, ma'am, in taekwondo a lot. I have really never said yes, We've had such similar experiences. <laughs> yes, Only ma'am. ironically. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so uh, the girl and I, the freshman, she was a year younger. So she had one more year to go in Rangerettes. But we continued our relationship for about a year until my mom died. Oh, um, okay. And my mom suspicioned – this was the first time my mom really – really had a big problem and she knew it was more serious it was not just a phase the high school girlfriend right experimenting in the letters but yeah she knew it wasn't a phase um and she had social consequences and i remember like deeper social consequences i guess in that like you would be kicked off this drill team right i remember being with um the girl still and i was in san marcus at texas state um, the girl, the girlfriend was back in Kilgore and my mom um, called me and my girlfriend, the Rangerette girlfriend, was staying in my apartment down in San Marcos. She was visiting me and my mom called me on a Saturday night. The girl and I, Rangerette, Rangerette and I were actually in the shower and my mom called and she kept calling. She called maybe two or three times. And 
Um, I got out of the shower and I decided I wouldn't call her back because I was so guilty for having, because I was so guilty for having the girl in my apartment and my mom kept asking questions and I just, I didn't want to deal with my mom's shame at the time. So I didn't answer her phone call and God forbid she died the next day and it was it was so hard. I chose not to answer those phone calls and connect with my best friend, my mom, um, because I was afraid of I was afraid of her reaction of my girlfriend being there and I didn't want to feel guilt or shame anymore and I avoided it and she was gone the next day and it was it was awful and I still carry that guilt with me. Um, if I wasn't ashamed of who I was or who I was with or if I wasn't fearful of my mom's reaction, I would maybe she would still be here or maybe we could have had a beautiful last conversation. But I, you know, it's things like that that really hurt people is the shame and the guilt. And if only I would have just been able to let that go but that's something that I've learned over the years is to just let that go because it just doesn't serve you or any of your relationships in life and um and you know I'm sitting here saying my mom was so she guilted she shamed me but my mom was my best friend we were so close she was such a beautiful person she was the light of my life and I miss her dearly and she made me the loving and kind and compassionate human that I am. I don't want to get her mixed. I don't want to get her her aura wrong because she was so incredible and beautiful and the most loving person of all beings. She loved everyone but I, I still don't know to this day what her resistance was for us being gay I still don't get it, but I do know that she loves Leah. She loves my girlfriend now, and I, I feel her in our home, and I feel her with us, and I feel that she guides both of us together, and she gives both of us messages, right? Like, yeah. she's so here with us. She loves you. And I think, you know, had she had a chance to, and it's so sad that she didn't, but, like, I can only imagine that she would have come around you know she probably just needed time to to like grow with you and I think I don't think that's something you can keep resisting like if you love somebody as much as she loved you yeah and I I know that it was fear I know I know it was fear-based and it wasn't coming from a place of love it was coming from a place of fear in her and she had dealt with a lot of pain in her life and she wanted us to not feel that pain. Yeah. But that's also so fucked up about like this kind of indoctrination and how it can seem like almost like it's interesting to see kind of two perspectives existing in one person and one where it seemed like this like amount of love would totally counterbalance the other and to see it not and to see those wires get so crossed and things become so confused is like really evidence of how strong and how powerful that kind of indoctrination is and how important it is I guess for like people like us to like keep having these conversations and to keep bringing it to people's attention and when you go home and somebody calls your girlfriend your friend to stand up there as an adult and correct them because people don't mean you harm like people want the best for you and your family didn't want to see you go to hell but they were it gets so twisted so easily right 
her belief was that I would go to hell if I chose to be with someone of the same sex. And I never believed that. I never did. I I remember my intuition being so strong and that's why we can't take on somebody others somebody else's beliefs and their intuition. We can't take on that as we get more evolved. We have to make sure that we trust our own gut and our own intuition because that's what we own. That's that's yours. That's what we need to take is our own intuition when it comes to loving who we want to love or being attracted to someone of the same sex. Um, And even like when it comes down to the people who you want to bring into your life, your friends, collaborators, your lover, it's it's all trusting your intuition or who, who you want to bring into your energy space. And you can't take on somebody else's beliefs and their intuition of what's right for you. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really challenging um, when, when, when someone's beliefs at a very core level, especially when they're really rigid and prescriptive and just come with all this like heavy, heavy baggage. Um, one of my best friends, who's not queer, um, but uh, she ha- has a sister um, who, who passed away suddenly mm-hmm. um, recently. And she and the sister were very tight, but uh, really diverged uh, religiously. Her sister was um, extremely, extremely religious, and um, and my friend is not. And um, and I remember there there would be um, it was it was difficult. There was a, I don't know I don't know if I want to say conflict, but it was a, I guess I'll use the word friction again, where. The, my my friend's sister would say like i i don't want you to go to hell like i'm just mm. i'm so like i love you and i'm so scared because you know i don't want you to go to hell just you know my my friend wasn't queer but just you my friend's not you know my friend you know live with a guy before marriage you know just literally she was just a not, sinner. yeah my friend literally just you know being a human living a human and not and honestly not being born again and not you know right. giving her soul to Jesus Christ or, or whatever. I'm, and I don't mean to say or whatever. I just, I'm, I, I was raised Catholic, so I don't really know. I, I can speak to Catholicism, but not really evangelical beliefs. Um, I can't do that very well. But yeah, but I remember my friend telling me about like this issue with her sister where it's like her sister was like, it, it wasn't her sister. Her sister is a love or was a, was a lovely human, just a really special woman. And she was legitimately scared like she legitimately did not yeah. want her sister and her mom and the rest of the family that wasn't that way to go to hell and because of her strongly held beliefs she felt that way for a while um i think later on she went through some life things that maybe made her um if not her beliefs evolve at least like the way she engaged her family members of yeah, regarding those beliefs that's good evolve but um but yeah, that always stuck out to me, um, and and luckily they, you know, they they I, as as far as I know were able to kind of bridge some of those divides uh, right before her, her her sister did pass. Mm. But I, I, I it, what you were saying just stuck out to me because mm. you 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 know you can tell when someone really loves you, like really sincerely, purely loves you from a real place, but then some of this other stuff 
gets in the way. It dis- it's a disconnect. It's a disconnect when they, when someone else, especially someone you love so dearly and deeply projects their well, closed off beliefs. And, and like, that's, all she's ever been told mm, and all she ever learned. It's her, I mean, it's her uh, it's, conditioning. Yeah, it's She's total been conditioned. conditioned. And like, conditioning. you know, a lot of people, it's their communities, it's their support systems. Mm-hmm. When you're raised in a place, like, you know, we live in New York City now. I was raised in New Jersey in a very densely populated area. You know, like I, you know. Yeah. I went to a very small elementary school. But that's it. You know, there there was still always something beyond that. And I was aware that there was something beyond that. So even proximity to New York. Exactly. Yeah, Mm. exactly. Even though like my elementary school experience was difficult, I was always acutely aware that there was something beyond that. I just had to hang on a little longer. But when you're in a situation, I think, where it's just so isolated like you're small, fucking yeah, landlocked. Yes, like small, truly. Yes, yeah, small. We have the coast and isolated. Mm-hmm. It's like this is all you have. Like this is your support. This is so. It's it's it's. it's I can't even imagine uh, what it must be like to to just grow up like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think you know we would be missing a huge point in this whole conversation if in talking about sort of queer culture and growing up as a queer person in the South, we didn't talk about, like, I'm interested to know who were your role models and who did you sort of look to um, for an experience that you could relate to and what did that look like? And what I selfishly and personally want to know is, like, in what ways were those role models distinctly Southern but also maybe, like, iconoclastic or, like, defying some part of the norm or if not just like why were you drawn to them wow that was an, that was a beautifully articulated question leah thank you no thank you uh, thank you in advance <laughs> <laughs> well i have to say i didn't have a lot of represent there was not a lot of representation in longview texas um i will say that the two there were two ladies who owned the dmv driver's ed uh, <laughs> they owned the DMV. <laughs> Sorry, that's somehow the Hold gayest on. thing I've ever out. heard in my so, life. Like, of so, course, two fucking dykes yeah. owned the DMV, so, <laughs> and they taught driver's ed. So that is so fucking gay. I love they, that's them. the gay, they, and they were together. They were partners, uh, and I mean, they dead. had huge. <laughs> oh they had big ass mullets. Yeah, of and course they did. Was one of the Deborah? Probably. <laughs> Cheryl, Cheryl and Deborah. But I remember I I Dawn, their celebrity couple name is Shebra. <laughs> it's just the Shebra DMV. Okay. She drives a Chevrolet. <laughs> Being in the middle of you two is so fun. Okay. Um, oh. Well. Oh. Okay. Y'all. Anyway, Shebra. Shebra. <laughs> I just remember having them in the car with me and feeling nervous and feeling like they could see my gayness. Oh, my God. And it's like that old dyke I thing where, like, you want it. I bet it. they could and they loved it. And, like, when I was ever around old dykes when I was a kid, not to make this about me, but just really quickly, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, my God, I, like, hope this old dyke is cool and, like, I impress her and she sees me, Right. You know? Oh, yeah. Right. It's like a, like, a peacock, like, fanning its feathers. Yeah. And on the opposite end, when I'm around, like, a baby gay that I identify, I'm like, 
like, oh my God, they're gay. I love them. I love them. I'm like, play it, <laughs> play it cool. Play it cool. Don't let them know that you know that they're going to be gay and that you think it's awesome. Mm. And like, you know, let yourself be open and available and like... Let them come to yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I remember people in the town would call them those lesbians. Oh my God. You know? Oh. And, um, you know, they, they seem to f- be just... They seem to be not included in the community. They, okay, they yeah. I felt like they, they lived on the outskirts. They, they were. were it was. They were kind of like myths. You know. Interesting. Wow. Um, I, I love. That. They were kind of like myths. And I would say another icon was the the Rugrat aunt, the auntie on the Rugrats. Yeah. Wait. Um, were you the one that wrote in? Yeah. Icon, that, was that you? That was me. And, oh, we yes. got so many responses. Everybody was like, "Hell yeah!" Like I never knew she was a fucking dyke, but it makes so much sense. I didn't I, She's she was fucking Will's mom. I felt and her it. Her husband was she like had a, a sweatband she and had a sweatband one of those and a lady symbols yeah, on, her. on her sweatshirt. And her, and her, her hair was all voice. shirt. It was so just like I, guttural. I, yeah. I, oh my God. The way she, she talks like a, this. I, I don't think she talks like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she was Texan. <laughs> it was kind of like, I feel like it was like kind of Midwestern y. Yeah. Very like guttural. She had like a Fargo accent okay. almost. Well, yeah. in, in my memory, she was Texan. And I <laughs> felt fair. really connected to her. I felt comfort whenever she would come on the screen. And I. I just remember feeling awakened when she would come on. I, I love don't, that. That's was how crazy. I felt when I saw Aunt Becky come I on. I love yeah. that. So that was how I felt when I saw Uncle Jesse come on the screen. <laughs> and then my PE teacher in elementary school, Miss Wilson, she had a chili bowl haircut and she would explain to the, prance, list, the viewers, the listeners, what a chili bowl haircut oh, is. Oh, a chili bowl haircut Do is you know? where it's I'm all just one. A bowl cut? It's like a bowl a cut. Hamel? It's a bowl cut with a shaved under. under um, Ooh, that spices it up a little. Uh, uh, and she yeah, had she give you one at Harari probably. She, she I'm, had I'm good. one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I recently had a chili bowl haircut. I loved it. No, you, um, but you you could rock one. She, I would look like some type of mutant, but you would doubt like it. I doubt it. But yeah, so Miss Wilson had one gold hoop earring yeah Ooh, like wait, a wait, small wait, 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 which, it which was, ear it was small i can't remember left is right but she would all, and she'd always wear capris and oh um, that see that throws me uh, yeah like but the khakis. Wait, what kind of shoe listen, you know listen. i went, okay, I went through a capri phase listen baby yeah, I mean. listen listen baby she wears khaki capri khaki shorts like khaki oh, shorts oh, like pedal pushers. yeah but like they look like capris were there, were there like cargo i Cargo. Thank you. you read my mind. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I just like cargo, snapped Lori. So she cargo, cargo Capri. Okay. That. Okay. That. That, that, that shakes out back, to me. Back to the back up to the dike. <laughs> what were her shoes? I can't remember. I, obviously, I think just like tennis shoes. Oh, okay. In the South, we call them tennis like shoes. Like sneakers. Sneakers. Yeah. And then also, <laughs> I will. I will have to say my my sister was a role model for she me. She's one of your dogs. She had no fear y'all she was a tomboy and so that set us apart she was a tomboy i was the girly girl and so that why that's why it was so much easier for her to come or quote unquote come out to my family she didn't never she never had to come out 
to them because they just knew she was the mascot of her school. She, everyone loved her for who she was. I they were like, obviously she was gay. She was the mascot of our school. I'm yeah. like, wait, is that I mean, a thing? I don't know. I, I, I feel. Did, was she ever a goalie in soccer? She was. She. <gasps> Me too. I feel like every goalie is a dyke. She was. She was a great soccer well, player. Anyone feel free to confirm or deny that. But like, I remember <laughs> like when I played soccer and I was the goalie, you know, like at the end when you're like, good game, good game, good game. It was like we would give like the dyke head nod to each other. Be like, I love hey. that. Be like, yeah, what's up? Good You're game. Like chin. Good game, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so she 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 made it easier for me to be more myself. I love and, that. And to feel comfortable in my own skin. I felt safer because she was unapologetic and she made a even though she was younger she made a path for me to be unapologetic and I think we inspire each other in that way still um and I know she had a hard time coming out uh in high school I just have to tell the story real fast because she was she this part of my role model story about my sister Lainey uh, in high school, my mom called me and she said, you'll never believe what your sister just did. She just got expelled from school. I'm like, what? And she's like, I've never been more proud. I'm like, what is happening? And she said that my sister beat up a girl at the school. It was her girlfriend, Hillary. She beat her girlfriend. She beat her girlfriend up in the locker room uh. because Hillary <laughs> said shit about me. Oh, okay. And yeah, I, I was like, no, I no, like, wait. I know it's okay. Oh, okay. I was like, all right, we don't support she, domestic violence. Right, right. Partner violence. I'm right. a miracle. I don't know where the story is going, but I'm just gonna and, sip my wine. And when I and when I say beat up, I mean she just pushed her into the locker yeah, and said, Hillary. don't talk to talk oh, about my sister bitch. that way. Um, I think because. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Jill was um, like, you're making so much work for me. Goddamn. <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep going. Should I start over? No, 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 no keep going. Keep no, going. Okay. gold, girl. Uh, <laughs> so basically she, she was defending me, and she knew she shouldn't have been violent, obviously. She had never touched or hurt anyone in her life, but she, <laughs> she, she, she pushed Hillary really hard into the lockers because Hillary was saying some really shitty things about her sister, me. No, I love And that. my I mom was so proud of her, and my sister was defending me, um... And I, I just I just think that we have always been there to defend and protect each other. And I can't imagine what growing up would have been like. It would have been a lot harder, I think, without her there as my support. Um, so, but she, like I said, it was easier for her to come out because she was more tomboy and I was more girly she girl. She was already just kind yeah, of Yeah, could you um, like, like talk about that a little more? Because I find it really right. fascinating. First, I think like the concept of like queer siblings – is just really cool. Me too. I'm so jealous. Second, I love my brother, but like, what the fuck? Like, but second of mm. all, the fact that like, yeah, like, looking at you, like, visually, aesthetically, energy-wise, you exude more feminine energy. I've met her once, and I can see more of like a tomboyishness to her. And just from what you've told me, that you know that that seems to be the case. And so I, 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 ima- I imagine like this. A weird almost yin and yang like of like in some ways like it would be easier for her because she didn't have 
the expectations of like mm. having to be the straight girl on her shoulders. In other ways, it, it can be hard to be like a little like gender variant, just you know, yeah, a little outside the norm. Especially presenting as such, like in that kind of a place. right. Yeah. So so yeah. Would you mind speaking to that a little bit more? Because well, I th- find that really fascinating. Mm-hmm. So we did my. I think there was a lot of expectations around gender roles and expectat expectations with my future and her future. Um, and she just seemed to be more boyish, uh, traditionally, um, and I seemed to be more traditionally girly. I had long hair. Rangerette. And I was a rangerette. I was a In dancer. In case you guys missed that. <laughs> I was a dancer, and Still I are. was called ladylike. I was in etiquette class for what? six years. Ooh, were you like, and gracefully uh, and grandly. <laughs> my, my family, my grandmother, we, she put us in etiquette, um, etiquette school. It was called Terpsichorean, and we would go and learn to, you Wait, know. I know, lady that, that word? I know that word. What's that word? She was not. Could you define Terps that? Terps yeah. Korean? I don't even know what it means. No, I I, 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 I learned what that word meant. <laughs> I you know when you like learn what a word means and you're like, remember that definition? And my brain's like, nope. Right. Sorry. We drank wine that night yeah, instead. Yeah, I just learned the word seditious. <laughs> All right. Well, whatever. We'll, we'll look it up and like post whatever. it on our <laughs> Yeah. So, I'm like, whatever. We'll stick to like two-syllable words. So, so, <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, I, I was the sweet you know, um, gentle, girly girl. And I remember my grandmother clearly saying, you just need to find a man and marry him and let him take care of you. I can't tell you how many times my granny told me that, even until the day she died, which was three years ago. Uh, She still, on her deathbed, was like, marry a man, this is what you need. You need him to take care of you. And then she was pretty accepting of Lainey uh, having a girlfriend who is now her wife, which I want to also add that, you know, it's an amazing, it's been an amazing uh, thing to watch the evolution of um, my family. I haven't brought up my dad much, but he has always been super supportive of my sister and I both. He never had an issue with us being gay. He always said, I'd rather you be with somebody you love, no matter if it's a boy or girl, black, white, as long as they're good to you and they don't beat you. They, you know, they treat you with love and respect and he don't push you against the locker. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So he, my, I'm so, uh, my sister and I were just talking about how grateful we are to have his support. Um, you know, always been like that. From him, yes, um, yes, he he's always been so accepting and of the you know of our the girlfriends or um, anything that we have to say about who we might be dating. He's always, you know, well, how are they? How are they treating you? And um, but he he actually just through a huge wedding for my sister last year in East Texas at the oldest country club in Longview. Whoa. And, uh, a lesbian and, uh, wedding. Is and he still very religious? 
my dad is not super religious, um, but he he was he was conditioned to be. But he, I think he's really opened up his mind, and he has gained awareness, thank God, um, and perspective. And he sees his daughters as they are, and he doesn't yeah. want to change us. He's proud of us for uh, who we are, and I'm so grateful because a lot of East Texas families that I know of personally, their families have disowned them completely. Yeah, um, just you know. They don't want to be associated with that sin. So it's, they, I'm so grateful to at least have, you know, my father and my brother is so supportive. Um, and I brought Leah uh, home with me last year. That She was the first girl that I've ever truly brought home with me to East Texas to meet my family as my girlfriend. And how was that? Um, it Both was, it was really, I felt so overwhelmed with, like this universal love, this uh, like gratitude that my family was so accepting of Leah. And, and I, it was during your sister's lesbian wedding, right. which I think like made it easier yeah, a little like, bit to like <laughs> slide in there yeah, as the like girlfriend the moment as like the, <laughs> yeah. the daughter that it's everything's like y'all are on. being hella, hella cool. Like, yeah, it's um, like just gonna but, use this tiny window to. It was, <laughs> it, it, yeah. It was really Sorry, watch. it was really overwhelming in in a beautiful way. It was it was uh, I was nervous, but my family, my dad took to Leah right away, and um, she's I, a people person. Yeah, yeah. and I I just am so grateful that it was her, and she Aww. she made it really easy for me, and she was respectful of you know the fact that I needed to ease into it. And I shaved my armpit hair. She did, and so did. <laughs> And so did I. <laughs> she did that for me. Every and time I go to Texas, I shave my armpit hair. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so like that's going to be like a queer country song. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I go to Texas, I shave, I shave my, my armpit, armpit hair. hair. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but yeah, it was really beautiful. It was like a full circle moment from me being a kid and told, you're going to hell for this. And then the next thing you know, I'm 34 years old, bringing my beautiful girlfriend home to East Texas. And we're having my sister's gay wedding at the country club. And it was their first gay wedding. I really like the I love that. The cunt in the country club. So <laughs> the country club. The But it was, it, it was, a you know, I've done a lot of, healing on myself and I've done a lot of reconditioning and you know let go of the guilt and worked on let letting go of the shame you know from growing up in the church and a mother who wasn't supportive and in that moment I was like wow it's really paid off this is such a beautiful full circle moment wow yeah that's incredible, and that wasn't yeah. that long ago. It's, it's, no, right. that was in May. May, May of last year, and yeah. it was just uh, the work you do on yourself to heal and to also heal your family by healing yourself, yeah. It's it pays off. It pays off because there is hope for these small rural towns, and I think I was just heard on NPR the other day that there were 4 million, either 3 or 4 million um, LGBTQ um people in rural communities around the country so that's a lot and there is hope and there is a way to bring perspective and awareness but you just can't 
you can't expect people to um, to fully see you all the time. You just have to accept people for where they are. And I think that's what I do with my family in Longview. Um, yeah, it sounds like I you just, meet them where they I are. I meet them. Yeah, I have you to. You can't expect it to change I can't completely. Take, I can't take that on for them. I yeah. can't take on their projections anymore. And that's and that's life. That's not, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. yes, it's very it's like present for queer totally people. Totally comes into but that, hyper that, focus. But that's, you know anything in life you know like you have to meet people where they are everyone's on their own journey and right you know I mean not to not to try and yeah no what you're saying because it's it's it's, you know it's it's a very uh specific thing but I think when you do have like that kind of experience and it's like hyper concentrated and hyper fraught it's sort of like it drive if you're lucky and if you're in a position where like you're able to like be objective and heal and grow and pay attention to it, it sort of drives into you a perspective that you might not otherwise have. Like yeah. those lessons when you're like, inhabit a marginalized identity sort of hyper figure, I think, in a way that like maybe people aren't other people, and who knows, like this could not be the case, but might not be able to see them in such a sharp relief in their own lives. Yeah, I think it hones a part of you, a, a part of you. You know, it's like yeah. a, it's like working out a muscle that maybe you wouldn't have worked out or as much known or... was there in the first place. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I... And you just have you have to be courageous to face these people who are ignorant or they have their own shame and their own guilt you have to be courageous and it's like learning to to dance or to swim you have to by swimming you have to be courageous you have by to, like risk injury you have to be courageous Drowning. yeah you have to be courageous by couraging like you just have to put yourself out oh, there i love that no you, you have to you have <laughs> that's to like crusade it's like crusading but you courageing. do and um you just you you have to stand in that and um, and I mean, when you guys, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna say I love that you said the word courage and and courage. Uh, no, because like literally one of like the the as you as you've been speaking all night, like one of the you know my my brain gets these like words. It's like a, it's almost like a, a I don't know. I, I, it's like one of those uh, when you're watching CNN and the words go across like. I was having that happen with like certain words that you were like making me think and like the word that kept coming across was like brave, bravery, bravery. Mm. I'm like, damn, like you, you're so brave and you've just, and I, and I, it, it's weird to call someone else brave because you always kind of feel like it's almost like patron. I'm like, you're so brave, but like you are, <laughs> you know, like, and it's something that I really <laughs> admire. If we're going back to our last episode, Daikons, like. I can say that you're a daikon Aww, of mine because, like, you're a daikon. Just the, the, the courage it takes to really um, stand by your truth and mm. and live in your truth and embody yourself as like like fully. Uh, it, right, and it's hard when you have your sweet, pure grandmother granny who is your best friend and you can tell anything to set leviticus down on the bed for you to see when you walk in are you serious and it's like i would have like turned the page where it's like women with their period have to go in a cave and be like well you read this one it's the old testament but we won't get into that true there's, uh, there, in Leviticus, it, it, it's not. It, I don't think it mentions it's, caves, but it's, there's something like you're unclean when you're on your period, and you're unclean for this amount of days, and no right. one can touch you or go near you. It's I'm the like, laws. Yes, hey, you're it, all unclean. I'm touching you. It's their laws Oops. at the time, and you know we don't have to get into that. But I 
would feel a moment of, I mean, a huge moment of fear would just take me over and I would just want to be like, okay, fine, I'll marry a man. It's okay. Like, I want your love instead. But you know what? She loved me for me, but she was afraid. She was the one who was full of fear. And, you know, I know that now she's recently passed. I know she can see my heart and I know she's happy for that. And um, it's just, it's her conditioning. And, but yeah, it's hard to stand in your truth when you have that, especially someone who you admire and love so much, um, you know, confront you with these fears of their own yeah it's just yeah. It, it is hard and you carry that with you but I always stood in what I believed I always felt like I could trust my intuition and I could see underneath the skin I could just see that and, yeah. and I tried to so hard for to explain that to her but as as far as like communities what you were talking about earlier we didn't have a gay bar. We didn't. We had one, um, and didn't it I'm close? sorry to say that it's closing. I know. I'm devastated. Oh my god! And I love that gay same bar. Old story. There was the bartender Jeez. was amazing, and I don't she had know. an eye patch. She had an eye patch. She was like really she was, sensitive about oh the my fact god. that she had an eye patch. Gay Nadine. Oh she my was, god! She was so Diconic. fucking cool. Like talk about iconic. And she had been there since the dawn of time, and now it's closing. Was it a gay bar or a lesbian bar? It is a. It's a gay bar, and now it's closing. And now it's closing. Bye. But listen, there's gonna be another one open up. I believe that i think um what are the dmv dykes doing can they open up a gay bar i don't know if they're still alive oh damn. um i'm i'm what do you call them deborah De- deborah Lay. deborah Lay. <laughs> <Chevrolet. laughs> um, that was it that was it chevrolet <laughs> but i as far as community i just i we didn't really have anything and in my high school there was really nothing. Um, maybe there was two other gay people that I knew of. Yeah. Um, but hey, do you know of anyone since? Because in, when I was in high school, I was gay, and I'm not. I'm, you were gay, <laughs> <laughs> guys. I don't Hold know if you know on, this, folks. I would like to take this moment to come out to the lesbians are miracles audience as a lesbian. Um, <laughs> no, but like I. I you know, I as far as I know, people didn't know I was gay. I mean, yeah, I, don't know. I think people were so, gooped so, when they found out I was. Yeah, gay. so like I wonder, I'm like, who else from high school was gay? And like I, I've learned yeah. a few people. And I'm like, oh, cool, they're gay, awesome, great, right? But there like, are so, a couple like, who I'm like, oh, you're still not saying like, um, uh, yeah, well, there's always them. But yeah. ha- are there people from your school, Lori? That that have- there are a few. Um, I will say I had a crush on a little on a boy in Terpsichorean, the etiquette class that I attended for many years uh his name was Brandon and he turned out to be gay and then I turned out to be gay and we realized like oh wait we're both gay and uh he is actually a famous fashion designer here in New York City and he he came from Longview Texas and our families are best friends and I mean it's uh yeah so he he actually is a judge on Project Runway and um it's 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 really cool and then you know just to to know that he exists as well it it's 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 like okay we're doing it we're we're both in New York and we're living our truth and uh we're we're making art and we're doing what we love and it's it's really cool that brings me to something I really was curious about is like okay you you went from Longview and you went to Austin and you went to New York and you know New York was always just kind of like you know an hour an hour train right away for me 
What was it like for you, the transition um, from, you know, growing up, like, small, ta- small town lesbian, and then, like, you know, you moved to a big city, Austin, but then you moved to the big city. <laughs> um, so, like, what, what was that like? And, like, how do you compare, like, how's your experience in New York been as a lesbian, and how, how do you compare it to uh, your, your, your other experiences? It's it's such a warm feeling when you call me a lesbian. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, didn't I mean, love I feel it. Bad because I no, use that I, word and I'm like, oh, I didn't. I, do you do I do you identify with that? I label? do. Okay. I do. Right, I right. love it, and I, I I love hearing it. Okay. Well, you're it's a lesbian just, and a miracle a, and yeah. you know, a dicon. Uh, well, I will say um, back to my timeline really fast before I moved to New York. I was a director of a dance company there. And I taught five, six hundred kids a week. And I was teaching ages two to adult. And the owner of the dance studio, the Dance Works, not the Rangerettes. Not the not the Rangerettes. <laughs> the Dance Works. In, Ooh, can we have a punk this band in all girl punk also band called the Dangerettes by Dance Works? <laughs> and, uh, and so it was. And you know, Austin is a pretty liberal town. So, I love Austin. It's one so of my cities. it really surprised me when the owner of the dance studio came to me, um, maybe a couple months in, and I had confided in her that I was gay. And she asked me specifically to keep my private life private. And she told me that I wasn't allowed to tell any of my students, any of my dance moms or dads, that I was gay. And if I had a girlfriend, I would not be able to bring her to competitions or any dance functions as my girlfriend. And I would have to, she put me deep into the closet and I was having to create 80 pieces dance pieces a year and I was having to pump out creativity and I was having to like be vulnerable as ever and I wasn't able to live my truth there for was that like stifling creative for for at least five years I wasn't able to be honest on social media um I it was devastating to me to be able to show up into a creative environment and not be able to to be my full self and I felt like for so long I was lying to my students because I I I don't know what the resistance was there but it was so surprising because it was in a city such as Austin which is a liberal city so when I moved so talk about bravery I had to quit I just had had enough and it was um it was sucking me dry. It was the most toxic environment. If you're ever in a situation where you can't be your full self or your your boss is having to ask you to keep it quiet or for you to be in the closet about who you are, you should leave that environment. It's so toxic. It was, well, I know you, I, I know it's hard, but um, it's, when I left, I felt like I had gained freedom for the first time in my life Um, because previously I couldn't really come out because my mom was alive and my grandmother was alive and then you know she didn't approve and then now my boss wouldn't let me come out and it was just it was so it was so and, and that was my that was my life that was I was so connected to my students and I I ended up quitting and it broke my heart so badly I um, I'm still recovering from that, honestly, um, just to have to quit 
that job and that life um, and, and to leave my students who I connected with so much, um, you know, I, I wasn't able to live my truth. So, but here in New York, I get here and it's like, normal everyone's gay I feel like everyone is you're queer you're weird if you're not and queer. it's it sorry it's, it's you know I realize we're the majority now I realize more than ever it's a gift to be gay it's a gift yeah. like we're so fun and cool and like we have so much to offer and like more disposable income taste. <laughs> and uh freedom for the first freedom. time and here, like appreciation yeah. appreciation for freedom yeah, yeah. right appreciation gratitude gratitude (laughs) gratitude is the attitude but truly like you wake up every morning and i this still happens to me i'm like damn like i can just be who i am yeah like i can just be who i am every time i kiss a woman i'm like holy shit i get to kiss women this rocks this is so fucking great like i'm like so excited me too i'm still like beside myself yeah i'm like oh my god I can do this. There's totally. there's no consequence. That's like such a crux of like dyke culture. I think like you really touched on something like essential right there. Yeah, it's it's yeah. crazy. It's like it's this deep, just like underlying like gratitude and just like being like stoked kind of right. on life. Yeah, right? like it always like hits me every now and then. I'm like, oh my god. There's no consequence. Girls, there's no yes. consequence to it. I mean, yeah. it's it's like there's no there's only freedom and honesty and uh yeah so I moved when I moved here to New York uh, I felt like the resistance had lifted and it was like a slingshot you know it was like I was like flying into myself more was there any like culture shock? and uh yeah it was I think definitely there was just more access to queer culture and queer art and it was everywhere and rainbow flags everywhere and I remember seeing all the being in the village for the first time and seeing all the flags and um seeing the beautiful old queer men walk together hand in hand and I'm like no one's even looking at them it's like Oz yeah it was also uh, awesome for me experiencing Brooklyn Pride and like uh, the Dyke March with you my first pride was so epic the Dyke March was amazing that was really really fucking cool then like oh uh, it's your first I I bawled my eyes out. I was just like so overwhelmed by the support and love. And I didn't realize there was that many gay people in the world. I was like, what? I've never been in this in this atmosphere where there's so many beautiful gay people. And they're all so perfect and beautiful. And it was, it was, everyone was just connected. And there was no, it didn't feel like there was any tension or hate or side eye. It was just... I felt like it was fluid and safe. And I felt, I feel safe here. Um, I feel safe for the first time. I think that's the word. But I, and then I have Leah now um, as my partner. And I feel like I'm able to, this is the first time I ever posted a picture of, of, so, of my girlfriend on social media. Really? Yes. First Facebook relationship. Yeah, and Facebook relationship. I'm 34 and I have been gay since I've been like three or two or since I've been born, you know, and I I, I uh, asked Leah one day, I think, what was that? Like I asked you if you'd be my Facebook girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she's uh, like, are you still I was like, Facebook? Facebook's dusty. <laughs> I'm like, just please. But, yeah. but yes. Please do this for me. And I... Oh, I needed no convincing. Oh, I'm pretty sure I love reacted to that. But, yeah. Uh, I yeah. was just like, oh, how many love reacts are we about to get? 
It was great. If you didn't love react to that post, um, you're still free to do so. Just putting that out there. Yeah. It's, it's up there. You can find it. And the dance community here, which is a, a community that I'm involved in, the dance community. I'm also uh, I do photography and film. And I find her at Lori Lon- with, with her <laughs> at L-O-R-Y-L-Y-O-N at Lori Lyon. Um, I the plug. Uh, yeah. Uh, I you know, I honestly feel like anytime I go into work, I'm interacting with queer people. I'm creating with queer people. I'm collaborating with the queer community. And it, it's it's so it, it feels like a dream. I feel like it's like an imposter syndrome. Like this is too good to be true. And it's, it's, uh, I just feel supported and safe. And it's, it's like honestly just so fun to be able to create with queer people every day. Yeah. You know, yeah. no matter what environment I go into and, um, in the city, it's, it's so different than even Austin. It's like in Austin, I felt like the gay girl. I felt like the one like token. Like, like they were cool with you, but yeah, they were cool with me. And then maybe some of them had crushes on me. I don't know. They're but like, like we, we're we have a gay yeah, friend. She's, she's yeah, we yeah. love the gays. Yeah, <laughs> but here it's like I just I feel equal. I feel equal here versus really cool. in Texas. I guess yeah. I don't know. I just feel like if more like. If more gay people could put their sel- themselves out into their communities and create communities in these small towns, then maybe I feel like it could change the world little by little or bring more awareness and perspective into these small towns. Because in a lot of these small towns, there there's nowhere to go. I mean, except the internet or the or church, um, which yeah. is a got or is a got, the internet is actually where I found my community when I was. When I was younger, and I when think, I got AOL, I think to like be out in the south. Ooh, what was your aim name? L- Lolly two thousand three. Yes, oh, um, I love a good aim name. What was yours? I don't want to say it. It's what too is it? No, you have to. That's the point. So Baby. you know the band Save Ferris. I do. You know the lead singer Monique Powell. Yes. I had a huge crush on Monique Powell, so my Instagram name was. I don't want to say it. Say it. It was Mopo Ska Girl. Oh my god! <laughs> you win. Now I'm not sure. You absolutely <laughs> win. How'd you do in those chat and rooms? I'm like, oh my god! I was like not in any Ooh, lesbian no chat rooms. Oh, oh I was. God, I oh my you. god! I, I had a crush on like that's all I my had. best friend in middle school, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not fucking gay. I like like that dude <laughs> you know <laughs> i like but close like, your eyes put your finger I out like yeah. go near him in the hallway we had like this valentine's day social and like you could buy your like crush cookies and he bought me cookies and put them on my locker <laughs> and i didn't even acknowledge the receipt i was huh, like that sounds familiar <laughs> leah's mo <laughs> we won't get into that that's a, that's a story for another podcast I really backed myself up. Yeah. Like, Did she realize what words are coming out of her mouth? Sorry, listeners. It's, it's a bit of an inside joke, but it will be explained another time. Do we have to tell time. the story now, like, really Wait, quickly? Dessert Girl? No, yeah, we're, like, running out of time. Okay. But, but think, just hang on, because we'll get to it at Yeah, some we'll point get to it. Okay, so, like, podcast. just put a pin in that and know that it happened. And I think I have one more question, like, as a closeout question in order to wind this down. Um, and we've kind of already touched upon it, but, like, I want to hear about 
not what advice maybe you would give like a queer person in the South because I think that's too broad, but like what advice would you give your younger self? Or like what would you tell your younger self? What would your older self tell your younger self? I would say allow yourself to trust your gut. Like I said earlier, your intuition about who you are. Um, you know, that's what's worth listening to. There's so much resistance in the world right now and there maybe has always been and it's good that you cannot resist your truth and I would just say not resist your intuition or what feels right to you um, and be vulnerable um, stand in who you are um, with no apology and um, I don't know like I said about courage vulnerability is having the courage to show up and be seen um, when we have no control over the outcome, possibly, um, and embrace and give breath and love and compassion to who you are and just know that you're evolving and growing into who you're called to be. Um, and I would say, um, like I said earlier, don't allow anybody other anybody else's projections um, to define who you are and don't ask for validation from anybody else um, accept yourself you don't need it um, let go of the shame let go of the guilt it doesn't serve you um, and I would say hold on <laughs> we're not going anywhere <laughs> um yeah, just, just keep exploring and knowing that you're a gift and your love is a gift, who you love um, is a gift, and um, just keep returning to love and people might not understand or see you, and that's okay. That's not on you. Um, and sometimes just your partner's support is enough um, if you are so lucky to have one. Um and just a reminder that, you know, your voice, lastly, I think is the most important. And especially in these small towns, um, you may not feel the courage or the strength sometimes to be visible but or to have a voice. But knowing that you could be that role model and that you could be that source of strength and understanding for somebody who like when I was a kid I didn't have and um, just know that your voice is the most important um, and I also want to say that the more authentic you are with yourself the more authentic your relationships in your life will be whether they're with your family your friends um, your partner I just think that there's so much freedom in being who you are unapologetically and authentically. Um, and just remember that, you know, you are love and you are a miracle. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you so, <laughs> so much, much for, for being here. Yeah, and, and it, 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 it's difficult to kind in of In your like, own home. Yeah, no. It's <laughs> yeah, like, thank you so much for being here in your house. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it can be difficult to kind of like bear your soul and you really shared a lot and you opened up and that's huge and that's also courageous and let us all courage. Couraging, courage shall we? Courage on. Every, all of y'all <laughs> courage on. Yeah, um, we'll all courage on together. 
Yes. Um, and like Lori said, you're a miracle. And as always, lesbians, lesbians are miracles. miracles. Choo-choo. Yeehaw. <laughs>